One of the biggest narratives over the last few years for crypto has been institutional adoption. It's sort of funny to think back to 2017 and 2018 when we screamed, the institutions are coming, but back then didn't even have custodial solutions for them, for their assets. And it's laughable to think about the idea that maybe Tesla would have bought Bitcoin in 2017 and put it on a ledger or hardware wallet. But I think now the infrastructure is available for institutions to adopt crypto on a massive level. And we really started to see that in 2022 with the black rocks of the world coming in. JP Morgan, even as Jamie Dimon calls it rat poison and says that it's not an investable asset and that it's trash, well, his company is doing something completely different. There's no doubt that the institutions are here. The question then becomes, well, we have more institutions in 2023. And I guess, do we actually want them or did we get exactly what we asked for, which was the institutions to come and to effectively take over the asset class. I've got an incredible guest today. I've got Rob from Clearpool. We're going to discuss this and everything that they're doing as well and what he's seeing on the institutional side. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and go ahead and hit that like button. As you guys noticed on the ticker and up in the corner, sponsored by Prime XBT. If you're looking for a place to trade crypto, Forex, stocks, basically everything, check it out. Good place to do it. You can see more information down in the description. Institutional adoption. I gave you pretty much the thorough overview there in the initial introduction, but it continues to be a hot, hot topic in the crypto space. And like I said, at this point, it's one of those things where you have to be careful what you wish for. As I discussed with guests over the last few days, top of the 2017 market was the launch of futures. Top of the next market was the launch of Coinbase's direct listing. After that, the futures ETF, of course, we all wanted a spot ETF. So we've largely seen that every time we get these hints at major institutional adoption, it tends to be a top of the market. There's a lot of conspiracy theories as to why that may be, and I'll let you ponder those on your own, whether it's because they're shorting, whether it's because they want to buy the assets cheaper. I've certainly put forth the idea that Wall Street will largely own the crypto space after the next year as they raise billions of dollars in funds to buy distressed crypto assets. But I've got an incredible guest today who can give us a lot more insight as to what's happening in the institutional world. It's Robert Alcorn from Clearpool, and they are a lending, lending protocol that focuses largely on institutions. I have to go ahead and bring him on now. Rob, how are you, man? Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm good. So I, you were obviously listening to everything I said. Maybe give us the, it just uh, was the end of 2022. It's the beginning of 2023. What do you think the status of institutional adoption is right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you have to probably define the institution and you have to define what is adoption, right? So as you mentioned, there's a lot of institutions, you know, already in this space. You mentioned a couple of names, BlackRock, and, um, and uh, I think you mentioned... Um, JP Morgan, JP Morgan and of course have uh, Citadel and Fidelity and Fidelity, Schwab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So all of these guys, you know, already doing something, you know, is it adoption? Um, I'm not sure. Um, you know, so it's probably, you know, the, the better question is, will we see ma mass adoption? 
Um, but they're definitely here. Um, they're definitely looking at it. Um, and some of them, you know, they're, they're, they're already kind of uh, doing stuff in the space. I know that um, JP Morgan, as you mentioned, been working on the, uh, the Project Guardian uh, with the Monetary Authority of Singapore, um, tokenizing assets. Uh, I think they did uh, a bond deal or even a, a FX deal. So they're, they're doing stuff, but, um, but I'm not sure if you'd call it adoption. Um, the rest, you know, we speak to, to quite a few institutions at Clearpool with a lot of, in, with of interest in, in what we're doing, uh, especially on our permissioned uh, side. Um, there are different stages of, you know, of being able to, to sort of transact in this space. Um, so that can be, you know, a regulatory hurdle they're looking to get over. It could be, you know, some legal uh, issue, um, compliance, you know, and they're all at different stages. The conversations that we're having uh, with a lot of guys is that, you know, they were, they were looking at 2023 as being the year that they would be able to really start uh, getting involved, especially from a sort of a lending or a borrowing perspective. Um, so they are here, um, you know, they're, they're looking at it closely. Um, I think that, you know, um, like I said, we have to really sort of define the term adoption. Um, but, um, you know, the one thing I would say is probably recent events haven't helped. Um, <laughs> we uh, probably have slowed that process down somewhat. So it's fair to say that they're potentially trading it, that they're building some infrastructure to take advantage of people trading it, but perhaps they're not actually using it, which I guess would be true adoption. Yes, true. I think so. Yeah. I mean, the way we look at it is, you know, we're building something um, which we'd like them to adopt. You know, it's infrastructure, um, you know, obviously with Clearpool for lending and borrowing, there's, there's other infrastructure that's being built, you know, that could be used for other things, derivatives and so on. But, um, but yeah, we would like to see, you know, more institutional adoption of, of what we have built because we believe that is, you know, far more efficient um, and, and, and safer and more inclusive. Um, so I think, you know, um, as I mentioned, there are different stages of, of where they're at before they'd be able to, to, to participate. We have already had, um, you know, one large uh, financial institution, Jane Street, uh, participating on Clearpool uh, last year. Um, we've we've got a sort of a number of other sort of similar profiles lining up to 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 use one of our products. Um, so you know we would like to to see more adoption, and of course we are, we already have you know institutions that that are sort of more crypto native, um, obviously you know already using you know these see these services. Um, so so we'd like to see them you know to to adopt the technology. Uh, but I think, you know, um, there's, there's a, probably a few things that need to fall in place. Um, and one of them, you know, not, not least of which would be, you know, the regulatory um, um, question mark, which, uh, you know, which, which comes up very, very regularly. Well, let's talk about the regulatory question mark then. I, literally just today, I saw that Coinbase is paying a $100 million fine, $50 million uh, for not doing proper KYC for anti-money laundering, then another 50 million dollars to bolster its compliance program right we're seeing a lot of regulatory activity but mostly it's been slaps on the wrist honestly right i mean even block five received a you know 120 million dollar i believe fine at the time they're not really being punished they're just paying the fine and sort of moving on so are you thinking that we'll continue to see this sort of regulation by enforcement and fine or do you think we'll actually get clarity and for the institutions you're talking to, how much does clarity matter? Are they in the United States? I mean, we have some clarity in other places, just kind of a very 
big minefield, it seems like. It is, yeah, and, and there's different parts to it. I think, you know, um, the one thing I would say is that I don't think any regulator, um, including the US, is going to come in and say, right, you know, this is DeFi, you can do this, you can't do that. You know, you've got to get this license, you've got to stay in that lane. I think that that's not what's going to happen. I think it really has to be the other way around. I think the industry really needs to, to tell the regulators what they want, you know, what, what do they want them to regulate? You know, where, Wasn't Sam where, doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out too, too well. But, um, Wrong guy. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, so I think, I think there has to be, you know, more of a conversation um, with, you know, from, from the industry leaders, with regulators on, on how we think this plays out. Because the regulators, they really don't understand, um, you know, what's going on in DeFi. Um, they're, they're probably, you know, quite far behind the curve. And, you know, they, they're, they're really not in a position to, to play catch up here and, and figure it all out and then say, this is how we're going to regulate it. Um, so I think, you know, it has to be the other way around. I think the industry has to be engaged with the regulators. And I think the way this, this happens is, you know, um, that you build something, um, you know, this solves a problem in, in the traditional financial markets. Um, you know, we have uh, interest from, you know, these regulated entities to use this uh, and we'd like to, you know, we'd like to open the conversation and and and, and discuss, you know, how uh, you can help us to to regulate this, or, or at least guide us, you know, in the beginning uh, for self-regulation. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's just there's there's just you know there's so many different sort of moving parts to this regulatory issue. Um, but I think, you know, we we shouldn't think that we can just you know wait around and say the regulators are going to come and we must be ready for it. I think we have to have that conversation, and I think that's what you know we see with you know these um, these sort of uh, news stories that, that you mentioned earlier. Uh, you know that whether it's custody, Bank of New York, or, or you know what Fidelity are doing, um, that they're trying to you know build these products and be this infrastructure that you know they can then take to the regulator and, and, and have that conversation. I think that's the right way to do it. And so. You're obviously building in DeFi, which is hopefully a major differentiation from what we've seen with the BlockFi's, Voyagers, and Celsius's of the world. But I've got to imagine that that's been very tough sledding for you guys to some degree. I mean, Clearpool is described as the first decentralized dynamic marketplace for institutional unsecured capital, right? The, the term unsecured capital has to give people uh, some fear at this moment, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, so obviously... You know, Clearpool isn't introducing the concept of unsecured loans, right? This has been around forever. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. In this space right now, you know, this is, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of talk around this with what's happened. Um, it's worth noting, you know, Clearpool, throughout all of the volatility uh, this year, we launched in March. So shortly after, you know, we, 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 we had the, the Terra Luna situation, uh, obviously the three arrows collapsed, Voyager Celsius, and then um, you know, the crescendo with, with FTX. Um, so we've been through a lot. The, the protocol has really been battle-tested, you could say, uh, this year. Um, and it's worked exactly as it was intended to do. It's worked perfectly through all of that. Um, uh, so, you know, the, the, way, the, way it, um, the way it works is that um, we have the borrowers they're institutional. Of course, you can. We only open this up to institutional borrowers. They have to go through a process to become whitelisted and, and get a credit score from from a third party to be able to become a borrower. Uh, but then they open their own uh, pool. So it's a single borrower pool. So each pool has its own borrower. So when you connect to Clearpool, you see a list of, of borrowers. 
Um, and then anybody can be a lender. So you, you, you can decide who you want to lend to, who you want to avoid. You make that decision. You effectively, you connect with your wallet and, and you lend stable coins or, or other, other assets to, to these borrowers. Um, so those, those, uh, those loaned assets go into, into the pool and then the borrower can draw down um, on those assets whenever they want. Um, when they do that, um, they're obviously utilizing uh, some of the pool. There's uh, an interest rate and utility curve within each pool. And the amount of funds that the borrower is utilizing will determine the interest rate that they pay. Um, now the curve, um, you can see if you, you know, click on one of the pools on, on, the, uh, on, on the app, is, is, um, is a very unique shape. Um, so we have a, a cosine function that we use to, to develop this curve. Um, and the curve actually incentivizes borrowers to be at 85% utilization. Um, so if you can imagine a scenario where there's $10 million in the pool, um, which has been provided by um, you know, a few hundred different lenders, um, the borrower um, would draw down, most likely would draw down 8.5 million. They wanna be at 85% utilization. That's where you find the lowest interest rate on the curve. If you start to creep up above 85%, the curve really starts to sort of increase more steeply up to you know, 100%. And so this incentivizes the borrowers you know, to be in this, this kind of like low point of the curve, which is at around 85%. And what that means is there's theoretically in sort of normal times, always 15% liquidity remaining in the pool available for lenders to withdraw. So as a lender, you're not locked in, you can withdraw whenever you want. Now, of course, you'll have the scenario like we've, we've just discussed through, through all of these uh, events that have happened this year where you know, there's, a, there's a, a rush for liquidity and, and all of the lenders want to withdraw at the same time. Um, if that happens, the pool goes to 99% utilization. It cannot go any higher than that. Uh, but then a timer starts and the borrower has five days to repay into the pool and bring the utilization back below 95% in order to avoid a default. And this is exactly what we saw you know, through all of those events. Um, and, and, and of course, you know, the biggest one being FTX, um, the pools went up to 99% utilization and borrowers had to start repaying into the pool to allow lenders to, to withdraw. Um, on Clearpool, within three days of the announcement of FTX's bankruptcy, all, all but one of the borrowers had repaid their pools and therefore all lenders were able to withdraw all of their liquidity you know, within hours or days of, of, of that announcement. And if you contrast that to, you know, sort of CFI platforms or other, you know, other DeFi protocols where you're locked in to term loans or, or there's a lock-in period uh, for redemption, um, you know, you're, you're now exposed to, you know, rising risk. Um, yeah. And you're sitting there and receiving the same interest rate that you were at the beginning, whereas on Clearpool, even if you are locked into a pool because it's remaining at high utilization, the interest rate goes up with it. So it's now paying you, you know, 20 plus percent APR for that liquidity risk. So it's worked yeah, really well for our work. Yeah, I don't think you can compare it to CFI because in CFI you had humans making uncollateralized loans. It wasn't a protocol and it wasn't transparent. So obviously yeah. I think we've talked about this on this channel countless times that DeFi sort of came out as the shining star assuming you ignore the exploits and hacks, but DeFi hummed along, the protocols did what they were supposed to, people were liquidated in an orderly manner. But what happens if, you know, a majority of the borrowers default at once? You've taken out eight and a half million dollars, 
bunch of lenders take the money out. It goes up to 99% and you've spent the eight and a half million dollars and have nothing left. How do you top up, you know, in five days, if you don't have anything left, say you took those coins and uh, gambled them with 150 X leverage somewhere. Yeah, obviously it can happen. You know, it's an edge case. We haven't had one default yet. Um, so I think, you know, it is an edge case to, 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 uh, to, to envisage, you know, all of the pool defaulting at the same time. Um, but there is a process um, for, for a default. So each of those pools has an insurance account. So we take um, a percentage of the interest, which is generated on every block in the pool, um, and that's diverted into the insurance account. So that builds up over time. Um, if the pool you know, hits that 99% utilization, the borrower doesn't repay within five days, um, it goes into default, that triggers an auction. So this is all automated um, by the smart contract. Um, the auction essentially allows uh, whitelisted bidders to bid for the debt of that pool. So let's you know, take the example is $8.5 million. Um, the starting point of that auction would be whatever is in the insurance account. Um, so you know, let's just say there's uh, five cents on the dollar uh, equivalent in the insurance account. Um, the auction would run, and then at the end of the auction, let's say we get to 25 cents on the dollar. Um, at that point, then all of the lenders in the pool would take a final vote. Um, so do they want to accept the final bid, take their 25 cents on the dollar, um, and in doing so, they would relinquish their legal, legal rights to pursue the borrower to the winning bidder? Uh, or does the consensus vote to just take their, their share of the insurance account, uh, which in, that, in this example was 5 cents on the dollar, but retain their legal rights to pursue the borrower um, you know, legally. Um, so this is the process that we've developed and designed. Um, you know, it has its own set of legal documents, which have which have been you know developed by by a global law firm um, in collaboration with Clearpool. Um, it hasn't been tested yet, as I said, we, we've not seen a default, but we we do have that process that that would that would be triggered in the event of a default. And if if you had more than one. Um, pool defaulting at the same time, it wouldn't really make any difference because each pool has its own insurance account, its own, own auction process. So there can't be a widespread contagion platform-wide. It would be specific to that pool. And if somebody has chosen to lend, this is not a random retail person who doesn't know where their funds are going. It's someone who very specifically vetted the borrower through your process and decided that they wanted to lend them money. So on the permissionless pools, which is what we've been talking about so far, um, anybody can be a lender. So we do have in, you know, individual lenders in those pools. We also have a lot of institutions. You know, the bulk of, um, we got up to about $160, $170 million of liquidity provided on the protocol uh, before FTX. Um, and most of that actually was, was institutional lenders. Um, but, but effectively, anybody can, can be a lender into those pools. So, so we, we call them permissionless. We do have um, permission product. Um, so this is where we brought in um, Jane Street last year. Um, so they basically launched a pool where you had to be um, also KYC'd and onboarded to be a lender. Um, so the lender in that pool was, was Block Tower. Um, and this, is, this has a fixed uh, rate and a fixed tenor and a fixed size. So we've actually just built a new product for that. It's gonna be called Clearpool Prime and it's gonna be launching this, this quarter. Um, and we hope really that we see more of those institutions, you know, coming into that because this this gives them that that KYC AML compliant access to decentralized liquidity. And they know that all of the lenders um, have been, you know, have, have also been through the KYC process. 
Um, as a lender, if you're invited to fund a pool you know, in that uh, ecosystem, um, you will be able to see um, you know, all of the information on the borrower. There'll be a data room uh, where you'll be able to, to, to see um, you know, documentation and, and financial data to do your, your, your risk analysis. So, um, and there'll be a post-trade infrastructure as well, but this will all be automated on you know, non-custodial smart contracts. So, you know, this is this really gives those guys, you know, that that ability to take a step into this space. Um, and it ticks those, you know, some of those regulatory boxes, if not all of them, you know, with it being sort of fully KYC and AML compliant. Yeah, here's the inevitable question. Why do people want to borrow crypto at this point? Are they, um, you know, it used to be that obviously you yeah. knew people were borrowing because they wanted to short, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you know we've definitely seen we've definitely seen that demand um, drop off. You know, since since FTX, um, you know, there, there's no doubt. You know, that there's there's less opportunities right now. Um, so, um, but I think there's also no doubt that that's going to come back. Right? I think you know um, none of us would be here if we didn't think that you know that this this is going to take off. So we're in we're in a period of uncertainty right now. Um, there isn't that much demand. Um, uh, especially not for, for stable coins. You know, there is demand for, for other assets, um, you know, like, like, uh, like ETH or even Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, there, there, is, there is still demand for, for certain assets, um, but it's definitely dropped off. Um, I think, you know, we're in, a, we're in a situation now where, you know, most, most um, participants are on the sidelines. Um, and, you know, I guess the question is, you know, when, when does it all start again? And, and I think, you know, there's there's many things happening in the market right now, um, which these guys are keeping their, their eye on. Um, you know, not least of which probably what's going on with uh, you know with 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 Genesis and, and DCG and, and whatnot. Um, and you know, I'm sure there's there's other events that you know that could materialize on the back of what's already happened. So, um, you know, when when that um, when that demand comes back, I'm not sure, but I'm you know what I am sure of is that it will return. Um, and when it does, you know, whether you're a borrower or a lender, um, you know, you want to make sure that you are um, participating on a protocol. You know, if you're a borrower that provides you with that, you know, that KYC uh, compliant access to DeFi. If you're a lender, you know, you want to be lending into a protocol where you know that you can access your liquidity, you know, if volatility in the market spikes um, and you're not locked in, you know, to some, some lockup period or, or, or term loan, you know, at lower yep. rates. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the question there really is, you know, how long does this slump uh, continue? Right. But I, talking about the slump, and I'm not talking about Clearpool specifically, just at this point in a, you know, uh, obviously high yield environment with treasuries and bonds, what would compel someone, and I know it will change because we've seen it in the past, but what would compel someone to pay, I'm assuming, to be able to offer yield to the lenders, the interest rates have to be relatively high, right? What are yeah. you borrowing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or USDC for right now that you can do with it that would be justified by those high loans. We know in the past it was so you could do the cash and carry trade. It was so that you could take advantage of the GBTC premium, right? There's been all these sort of rolling trades for a period of time before it's, I guess, arbed away or that inefficiency disappears, that it was very easy to say, okay, I'll borrow at 15% because I can make 20 basically as free yield on these trades. Is there just no trades like that right now, and the borrowers will come back when something, you yeah, know, I sort think, of emerges? I think, I think those opportunities are gone for the time being, and right. it can be it can be counterintuitive how rates work in in DeFi. So you know, you you just 
mentioned it perfectly. You know, when the when the market is in bull mode, you know, the, the type of borrowers that we have on Clearpool, they're they're, they're market makers, they're high frequency traders. The opportunities right. are there for them to make money, and they're happy to borrow, like you said, at you know, fifteen, twenty percent even. And we saw that, you know, probably um, I guess at the beginning to the to the you know the middle part of last year. Um, but then when you know when the when the market turns um, those opportunities disappear you would expect you know when there's more volatility in the market um, that rates would actually go up it actually right. is the other way around right because these guys aren't seeing as, as many opportunities and therefore you know they, they don't have the demand for liquidity um, so what we're seeing right now is you know borrowers you know that we've worked with so far saying you know the rates on clearpool are actually too high for us right now you know we're you know, we'd, we'd be comfortable like 2% below, you know, our lowest rate. Um, now, that, that segues on to how, how our rates are determined, um, which is also through a decentralized process. We have Clearpool Oracles. These are a number of, of uh, digital asset institutions who basically um, vote um, every two weeks on where they think um, the interest rates um, should be uh, for our curves. Um, so we take the sort of average of all of that and, and use, use that to, to set the, the curves for the, for the following epoch. So basically the rates, you know, this, 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 is, this design is, is to ensure that, you know, rates kind of move with the market. So basically these guys will, will you know, vote for these parameters on where they think rates, rates are heading, you know, at this current point in time. We actually saw, you know, the rates increase, of course, on the back of FTX. And again, you know, this is, Intuitively, that's what you would expect, you know, higher rates because of the higher volatility. But now we have a situation where the borrowers are like, well, you know, we don't want to, you know, we, we have no, no use for the liquidity at, at that level. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's quite a new product for us. We, we launched it, um, you know, maybe two months ago. Um, so I think, you know, we, we'll, we'll continue to see how, how that plays out and how, um, you know, how engaged the community is on, on, understanding that that dynamic um, and perhaps you know we start to see the the oracles vote um, you know in the other direction uh, in order to to bring you know um, more activity back to the protocol um, so yeah um, you know to answer your question yeah I think um, the opportunities have, have gone for the time being they will come back in the meantime you know we we, uh, we have to be patient so what do you think will happen in 2023? Do you think we're talking about a 2024, 2025 situation here with macro, obviously, as the context? Or do you think that we will continue to see increased institutional, let's not call it adoption, let's call it institutional involvement. That's right. a better um, term. I'm going to just start saying institutional involvement in the crypto better, space. Yeah. yeah, we use that, yeah. Um, okay, so I think, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things that, you know, that, that could that could happen following on from what we've already seen, right? So the the contagion, you know, is it is it still there? So talking about you know sort of you know crypto native, um, um, you know, we, we mentioned the the Gemini thing, you know, there's there's all sorts of rumors, you know, with um, concerning USDT, for example, maybe even you know, is Binance, you know, okay, right? So hopefully we don't see anything else. You know, I think you know ideally, you know, we we're we're, we're through with it. Um, and then, it, and then we look, you know, purely to the to the macro back backdrop, which, you know, is um, uncertain as well. I think, you know, there's a crowded opinion that, you know, we see a recession this year. Um, 
I think if that happens, you know, the question then becomes, you know, what's the Fed going to do, uh, you know, going into a, um, an election year, um, that that's going to be very interesting to, to see what happens. But I think, you know, on the back of all of that, um, we probably see a very sideways looking market uh, for the next 12 months. Um, this is, that's what I think. Too. Um, you know, this is, yeah, I think this, this is, again, it's, it's probably a crowded opinion, but I think it's, it's exactly the way that, 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 uh, that things will probably play out. So hopefully we don't see any more sort of um, train wrecks. Um, um, and we just then have to kind of, you know, keep an eye on, on the macro backdrop. And um, I'm sure we'll see, you know, mini rallies throughout the year as, as we you know, usually do on, on the back of uh, whatever it may be uh, that comes. But, um, but ultimately, I think, yeah, we might be sitting here a year from now or certainly, um, you know, um, you know, 10, 11 months. months from now before yeah, the end yeah. of the month, before the end of the year, sorry. Um, and Bitcoin may be, you know, still in the sort of range that it's been in for the last, you know, few months. Yawn fest. Yeah. Brutal, but uh, we've seen it. We, we were here in 2018. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, laughs> 6,000 forever. Of course, that broke down. But I mean, we, we were here. But that said, has this so do the market conditions let me rephrase that. I know that the market conditions don't affect your view on the asset class or what you're building, because we all know that there's bull and bear markets. But have the catalysts for these market conditions, the FTXs, Voyagers, Celsius, all of the contagion, the potential regulatory hammer, has any of that changed your long-term view on the asset class or what's being built? Not at all. Um, I think, you know, because of the way that Clearpool has performed through through all of that, you know, I think you know we're very confident, um, you know, going forward. Um, every time we saw one of these events, you know, of course, we saw a drop in in TVL, but after that, we we reached a new a new high after each one. Um, so again, FTX, we've seen a drop in TVL, um, you know, almost right down to zero. But I'm you know I'm very confident that we we see that grow back up to a new high. You know, at some point this year, as as the the activity begins um, to pick up again, um, all I, I think you know for us the way we we look at it is it, it just really um, it just it just gives us like a more impetus to to build you know all of the products that we have in our pipeline you know so we want to provide um, you know the lenders on Clearpool more ability to to manage risk um, you know more products that they can use to hedge risk um, so those things are coming in our roadmap this year. Um, and uh, as well with the Clearpool Prime, this gives you know the the, the institutions that are still looking to get into this space and um, that ability you know to take that first step and do it in a compliant manner. Um, so you know we're just we're just full steam ahead on on building um, all of the products that we that we had in our in our roadmap um, previously. Um, it's just given us you know more more you know more sort of um, more hunger you know to to, to go ahead and and, and bring those. Uh, to the market uh, and i think i think you know a large part of that is just bringing more sophistication to the space um you know if you look at uh you know if you want traditional financial institutions to to come and, and use the, the infrastructure that we're building not just as a clear pool but generally in DeFi, um you know they need to see the same level of sophistication that they have in traditional markets they need to be able to hedge risk um you know they have uh, credit departments, they have risk departments, they have compliance departments, all of these guys are telling them, you know, you've got to stay in this lane, and they need to see a level of sophistication in the product offering that allows them to be able to do that. So, you know, we're still early. DeFi is, you know, what, three years old. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a process. And I think, um, I think, you know, what we're doing is, um, 
is, is you know, is building, um, you know, what they ultimately need to see to be able to take those steps. Bear market is the best time to build. I hear it from every single founder, uh, protocol, literally everyone for, they've been saying it now for six months. It's not a meme, it's the truth. This is the well, opportunity yeah, I mean, to sort of get battle tested before inevitably uh, we have another bull market, everything goes crazy and everyone's just focused on price and, and trading. It is, we've known nothing you know, different. I mean, we, we, we started developing the protocol in, in a bull market, uh, but we launched in March, you know, so we've really, you know, we've, we've not actually had oh. the opportunity to see how it would perform in, in, a, in a bull market. Um, but the one good thing is, is as you said, you know, that, that's, that, um, that has allowed us to sort of, you know, really test the protocol, really push it to, a li to its limits, or the market has pushed it to its limits, of course. Everything that happens on Clearpool is driven by supply and demand. You know, it's, it's a protocol, you know, we don't, there's no central intermediary. Um, Everything that happens in those pools, the interest rates, everything is, is driven by supply and demand. Um, so it's been tested, you know, really has been tested and, and it's performed really well. So, um, so that much we know. And, and I think, you know, in a, in a way it's been, it's been good, as you said, to have, have launched in, in, the, uh, in this period where, where it can be battle tested. So where can everybody follow you after this conversation and check out everything that you guys are building? Um, so, Clearpool um, on Twitter is at clearpoolfin. Um, I'm Rob8830, um, and the website is clearpool.finance. Um, you can uh, access the app from there and, and go and see um, all of the pools that have uh, previously been active, um, the ones that have been now repaid um, and, and tested out. And yeah, um, we're on, we have Discord um, and Telegram. You can access that through the website, of course. And you can ask us any questions in there um, if you have any. I, I'm just told by the producer that you guys wanted to make a short announcement. Did I miss something? Um, no, I tried, I tried to squeeze it in already. <laughs> Perfect. I thought so. <laughs> uh, no, it's Capital Prime. It's, it's basically the new, the new iteration uh, for, for what we call permission pools previously. So that, that was the, the pool that, that we opened with, with Jane Street. Um, so we've built a more sophisticated solution for this. It's going to be called awesome. Clearpool Prime, and uh, yeah, that's coming in Q1. Thanks a lot, Scott. Appreciate that. Awesome. So I, I got to say then, uh, I'm hoping then, as I think about it, that 2023, we stop talking about institutional adoption, or we make a switch from institutional involvement to actual institutional adoption, right? I, yeah. and, I, and I hope that people start to use Clearpool and other lending protocols to borrow for other reasons than to short the market or to trade. <laughs> I think that we will see those use cases down the road. Everybody, of course, I will be back tomorrow. Uh, we have the normal roundtable on Thursdays. I believe we got Genevieve Rock Dector, uh, Dave Nage, a few other people. It's going to be awesome. You guys definitely do not want to miss it. It will be at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rob, once again, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.